Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 224. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor! For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something. Something. Doctor, Doctor who, who related. Related, yeah. Especially in these barren times. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was a um, a cool thing that popped into uh, or through people's letterboxes recently, though. Yes, there was. So that hopefully provided plenty of, uh, of Doctor Who action. Mm. Uh, referring to the season 18. Blu-ray box set, of course, looking very, very nice. Do you like how these are stacking up on the shelf next to each other? Loving it. Absolutely loving it. I tell you, when it, when it arrived, I just, yeah, putting it alongside the others. And they look really nice together, those three. I just can't wait for more, to be honest. As soon as we get a new one, I already like, what's next? What's next? Do yeah. you think that in some shape or form, we'll have like one to, to 26? That would yeah. be pretty... That'd be pretty amazing if they can pull that off. Yeah, no, I think I think we will. I just don't know how long that'll take. If they're releasing, <laughs> so we've got that's the first one this year, isn't it? Um, there's another two rumored. <laughs> so if you say three, four maximum a year, yeah, I just I just want them to. All, I want to get them all before I'm ninety or dead. It would be nice to get the complete collection before, yeah. you know, because I ain't getting any younger. But uh, would yeah. Well, if they four, did eight, nine, ten, if twelve, they did four a year, it would take six and a half years. Okay, no, I should be fine. Yeah. I, should be, I, think, I think I've still got six years in me. I should be good. <laughs> if they <laughs> did three a year, it would be 
eight and a bit, so nearly nine years worth of. Mm-hmm. But when I say shape or form, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of missing episodes still and a lot of all that stuff. So there could be a couple of them that are a little bit light on the ground. But still cool, though. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because the season 18 one's got loads of nice extras. I'll tell you one thing that I was going through waiting to to see the um, the famous nationwide interview with Tom, where he's in his black stripy suit and he's very macabre and you know i can't remember who's interviewing him and she's like oh you're so you've you're leaving doctor who and he's like yes well and he seems really down and i was thinking where's where's that then and it's it's not on there and um somebody involved in the making these things i forget who it was put on twitter no it's going to be on a a, mm. a different release a future release and i'm like but surely <laughs> like what We've had Castrovelva and all, so what? What release could that possibly be more relatable to than than Legopolis? I don't Absolutely. understand. I don't quite yeah. understand why that's not on there. But um, anyway, but the, what is on there is incredible, and I'm sure, like you, I've spent every single night this week like watching something from that mm-hmm. set. It's just it's just a box of delights, and it? it's it's, it's amazing. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, well worth the money as well. I'd say for the amount of I mean series. Uh, season eighteen is not particularly long. How many how many stories were in there? Six, six, six. I think. Um, but just like you said, the the amount of extra stuff you get is so cool because you get all the stuff that you'd get on the DVD release anyway, won't you? Don't you for each story? Yeah. But then you get like these really cool behind the sofa. Love the behind the sofas. Yeah, it's just very very cool. And you get Canon and Company on this one, which I haven't watched in years. Oh, sorry, there's seven stories. I've just had a lot of seven stories, plus Canon and Company. So yeah, um, but yeah, I haven't watched Canon and Company for years, and um, I remember loving that as a kid because I just loved Canine, and uh, I always thought there'd be a whole series of it, but there isn't. I think they just did that one, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the extras are brilliant. I've watched um, well because I, I haven't actually watched any of the stories yet because I'm just going through the new extras because I've watched. Um, you know, I know the stories quite well, but I am looking forward to once I've watched some of the new extras, like the behind sofas, going back and just watching all the stories in order. Because, like Leisure Hive, uh, <laughs> have we reviewed that? I don't know. So be careful. No. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting watching the behind the scenes stuff, and pr- some people are probably thinking, "Why are you watching that first? But in some ways, it gives you an insight into the story. So Leisure Hive, I was thinking. Hmm, from my memory, I'm not sure it was one of my favourites, let's put it that way. And uh, I don't know, I was intrigued by the sort of behind-the-scenes documentary on that, uh, especially seeing Tom. He's, he's, you know, he's ferocious in the in the studio footage. You know, there's a bit where like, the director's <laughs> telling him what to do, and he completely takes over. He's like, no, 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 camera three can shoot from there. That picks up the reaction. Then I'll get this, and he swears, prop, and I'll, dreary prop, and I'll throw it across the, room you know mm-hmm. and it's like oh my word he's really like and that's not my mic cutting out that's me um keeping <laughs> us uh keeping the <laughs> oh, yeah. language yeah. down for the podcast um yeah it's like yeah so it's really interesting to see stuff like that and, and as i said the behind the sofas have you watched any of those yet i've watched the first one yeah yeah isn't june hudson june, just yeah. adorable <laughs> i love june hudson it's really interesting to watch those because um, you never really get an in because through interviews, mm. uh, their answers are obviously tailored towards a specific question about yeah. you know a, a doctor or an episode or something. But when you watch those behind the sofas and you see those guys sitting down, 
there's nobody prodding them with questions about what's going on. So mm. it's a real true um, sort of you get an insight into what they actually think about stuff because yeah. it's what they're seeing that prods their prods them to like speak about stuff or have a laugh or whatever. So mm. I think they I think they are probably my favourite feature on these special edition box sets. All of them are so so interesting to watch. Yeah, you've got some real treats coming up as well because I've watched four I think now four of those behind the sofas and what's great is june hudson seems to know a lot about the stories like which is great you know what i mean because sometimes the people just sit there and they think oh i don't remember anything about this especially tom bless him mm-hmm. and tom's much more vocal in these ones like on the season 12 blu-ray set he he seemed to get engrossed too much in the story so he's quite quiet on those behind the sofas right on yeah. this one especially with june because she keeps sort of talking to him and yeah she really gets some good stuff out of tom and he's i mean he's he's brilliant on them um and you've got janet obviously on the other side of the sofa as well and she's she's just i think they've decided they're gonna have her on every single set from now on because she's just you know entertainment mm. value she's just brilliant isn't she she's so uh, good yeah, yeah, so funny. It's it's, it's interesting as well because you sit there, like you said, they they do give honest reactions to what they're seeing, mm-hmm. especially Janet, um, and that is nice to see. And then sometimes they'll get stuff wrong, like Janet was sort of saying about locations, and I was thinking, no, you're, you're giving the wrong place, Janet. That's not where it was filmed, but it's there. It's captured on the Blu-ray, and people will be like, oh, that's where it was. But no, so, <laughs> but it is. It's it's nice to just see everything's just off the cuff, unplanned, and it does give a a real sort of candid insight into their thoughts on it, I think. Yeah. And they don't hold back, yeah, which is good. That is really good. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that's not had a chance to pick those, well, I think the others sold out now, but anyone that's not had a chance to pick up the season 18 one, I mm. don't believe it's sold out just yet, but they do typically go soon after release. So if you want it, then um, now's the time. Otherwise, it's the usual pay silly money on eBay, mm. you know, a few weeks' time. I think Zoom have sold out of it. I believe oh, they have, right? But I don't know. It, it was it was taken off the page right, on the day right. of release, and then there's and then it was back on, and now I believe it's gone again. So whether they got a little bit more stock and then it sold out, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hang around just because the chances are, you know, if you do if you are considering buying it, it probably will sell out. Season nineteen still available, but I get the feeling this one's been a bit more popular. I don't know if it's just because it's Tom. Yeah, or probably. or because or there's been more promotion. I don't know, but this one just seems to be a little bit more popular. So, yeah, I wouldn't hang about because it's a great set. It really is. Yeah. It looks gorgeous as well. It's not just the actual features. The actual set itself is is just beautiful. You open it up and it's got a picture of Tom from uh, the Leisure Hive, isn't it? Yeah, in front of the TARDIS and you open it up. Yeah. There's a lovely booklet. It's 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 beautiful packaging. Now, I think it's, I absolutely think it's worth 40 quid. I honestly do. I, I you know, I know forty pounds is a lot of money, but I think God, for what you get for your money, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think um, you mentioned season nineteen. I'm only going on Amazon, by the way, no other mm-hmm. um, sites or uh, distributors. But um, the price goes up as well, which, which we've seen with season nineteen. So that's now fifty two pounds. Oh, right. Um, and the stock that Amazon initially bought in is gone, so they have to mm. order it in, and it's an extra. I think it's three to five days delivery instead of the next day. Prime, if you have Amazon Prime, but um, mm. the season eighteen one, the new one, is still forty quid, and that's in stock at, on Amazon. So, um, but I'm pretty sure in a couple of weeks or a few weeks' time, it won't be. So, so get on it, get on it now, yeah. And Zoom, if Zoom do get it, they were doing it for thirty eight, 
99 and you could get 10% off. So you could get it for 35 90 yes. or whatever, but which is an incredible price. So keep your eye on Zoom. Is it just zoom.com or zoom.co.uk? Uh, zoom.co.uk. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, because that's where I got mine and it was delivered on the Friday before it came out, which is what happened with season 19. And it is so lovely to get it on that Friday. I mean, everyone just posts pictures and um, all the poor people from Amazon were saying, oh no, my, you know, looking at their screens, like when's mine coming? And it's like not till Tuesday. And you think, oh no, that was me a yeah. little while back. Because I used to always use Amazon because I was sort of unfamiliar with Zoom. So I was scared to use something different. And I tell you, I've never looked back. Um, fast delivery arrived really quick. And yeah, it's so nice to get it on the Friday with everyone else. Yeah, Zoom are really cool. Actually, we've partnered with them a couple of times. They've, they're the yeah. guys that have provided the um, the previous season 19 box set through our competitions. They're very, That's right. very cool yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but I, this is not just because we've partnered with them, but whenever I've ordered stuff from them before, it always turns up on time, if not early. You know, packaging is always good. Their price is always really good. So, yeah, man, zoom.co.uk. Good. I think I'm going to get um, I'm going to get the Macroterra steelbook from them. I think because I still haven't pre-ordered that yet. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I keep looking at it. I think again, it's a, it's more expensive on Amazon. So I'm I might do that today because it's out next. Well, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's actually out next Monday. Next week, yeah, it will be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I want to get the steelbook. I I got the. I've already got the DVD because I went to the uh, screening of it at the BFI at the weekend and that was included in the ticket price. So that was quite nice. I actually got that a week early. Um, but a bit like you, your reason for not going was that you yeah. you didn't want the DVD because you want the Blu-ray and you kind of had to buy it as part of the ticket price. So um, totally understandable. But yeah, it was nice to get that. And I got Annika to sign it after, which was cool. Um, we're going to review the Macroterra. Uh, in a forthcoming podcast. So I'm not going to say too much about the story or my thoughts on it, but uh, it was a great event as usual at the BFI. Um, and I'll just say that I thought the animation was a step up okay. from power. Yeah. I really did think the, the animation was very good. The absolute, the opening scene of the TARDIS space just blew my mind. Actually, <laughs> I was just like <laughs> with the very first shot. Right. Um, and they asked if we wanted to see it in color and black and white. And there was a bit of a sort of 50-50 split. So they said, oh, well, we're going to show it you in color. And we were like, okay. But then the very first shot, which is the TARDIS, display, it was um, in black and white. And I thought, oh, no, have they put the wrong, they put the wrong one in? Not that I minded. I wouldn't mind seeing it in either. But, but, then, it, and then, but then it went into color. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I don't know why that is, but it worked incredibly well. Okay. It worked so well. But you'll see what I mean. When you see that first shot, it mm. is just glorious. And, yeah, the animation's very good yeah um it was, a, it was a good a good event actually they got annika on stage to talk a little bit about it she's very candid a lot more <laughs> i've seen her in a couple of interviews but she seemed she was in in fine form but she was very very candid and she seemed a little bit disappointed in the way she'd been animated and i was oh. i felt a little bit sorry for the people involved in the animation because they were there as well and they talked about you know it was a real labor of love for them and i, I think they've done a very good job but yeah, Annika was saying she didn't think, you know, that they'd got her characteristics right. And, you know, like her eyes in particular, she seemed to be focusing on. Um, but yeah, she was very, very, you know, she just talked about how much she loved working with Pat Troughton and what a cheeky chappy Fraser Hines was and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it was it was a really good event. Really interesting. That sounds really cool, mate. Yeah, very, it was good. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I like, I prefer it when the guests that they have up on stage. I prefer it when they're more candid and 
She was honest. Yeah. 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 Cause the last thing you want is um, somebody just, you know, almost reeling off a, not a script, but you know, they're just going through the same through the motions. Cause they've been asked these questions lots and lots. And mm. so it's very cool. So that's why it's cool. Although, uh, although Adric, the character can be a bit mm. grating sometimes. Matthew Waterhouse, on the other hand, can be quite cool at those things. Yeah. Oh, say, yeah. You know, what he thinks. And yeah. So I'm glad you had a good time, mate. I think what's, have they announced anything coming up at the BFI for Doctor Who? I don't think so just yet. No, I think the, no, it's just rumor at the minute because we, we think, you know, the next Blu ray set it will possibly be a Pertwee, uh, is what everyone's thinking. Yeah. So there yeah. could be something to do with that coming up, which would be great, actually. It'd be good to see Pertwee on the big screen. Um, yes. But no, nothing, as far as I know, nothing lined up. But they, yeah, it was a good event. Great to great to share that with um, all fellow Dot Two fans as well. And for me, it's a new story, really, because I've never listened to the audio. I've never read the book. I had no idea, really, mm-hmm. about anything. So I went into it quite fresh. Um, so in that sense, it was like watching a new episode really so i really enjoyed it in that sense um as i say i'll keep my thoughts on the actual story itself for when we review it in a few weeks or whenever but uh but yeah it was good it was good to share that with other who fans and get their reaction to it afterwards because a lot of the other people seem to know more about it like when people get saying there's no such thing as macra i was like what are they on about i don't know i feel i'm not part <laughs> of the club i don't know what they mean and then now i do yeah. so yeah so that was cool yeah, that's one of the best things, isn't it, about going to any event, really, yeah. is being surrounded by other other Who fans, and yeah, it's all good. Absolutely. I wish Fraser had been there. That's the only thing. I would love to have heard Fraser's thoughts on it. And um, and it was nice that Annika was there, because very strangely, she's not on the audio commentary for the um, DVD, which is a shame. I don't know. She, maybe she wasn't available, but... It's surprising, mate, but, you know, they're still still good. Yes. Still yeah. great. Uh, well, I haven't been up to anything, buddy. Um, unfortunately, again, you know, I've not done anything Doctor Who other than just chilling out and watching some of these season 18 stuff, mm. which I'll probably watch through the rest of it over the next few days. But yeah. I'll tell you when not you're going to enjoy is mm. when you get to Weekend with Waterhouse, where oh, yes. Toby Haydeck I'm... goes and stays <laughs> for, for, oh, with God. Matthew for a weekend. I actually really, really enjoyed it because he did one with John Levine, didn't he? That's right. Uh, yeah. A few years back, which was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, and this one's equally as, as good. It's a bit longer as well. And uh, okay. yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll enjoy that one. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, nice one. The, um, uh, I, talking of Toby Haydock, I came across mm. somebody pointing out, some, uh, a guy that I work with, um, pointed out this really, really good interview with Toby Haydock um, that this guy, um, this podcaster, and I always forget his name. Let me just uh, bring it up. Um, there's this guy called uh, Richard Herring. And it's the Richard Herring uh, at the something. It's called Richard Herring uh, at the Something Something Theatre podcast mm-hmm. with Richard Herring. Anyway, episode, um, where is it? Uh, anyway, it's a really, really good interview with Toby Haydock. And I never realized just how much knowledge Toby Haydock has about oh, classic who. Yeah. Because I knew that he was a classic guy and he obviously knows his stuff and everything. But there was a there's a, a segment within the, the the interview where Richard just fires him basically like a, a bunch of random stuff like and it's not even the character's name. He he says things like uh, an actor's name, an, an actor that was alive twenty years ago. 
some character that was on screen for two seconds. And so Halo's like, oh yeah, that's the guy who played so-and-so. And he was in this episode of this story that aired on this date and so on. And it's unbelievable. I just yeah. never realized that he had, he, he's essentially got all of Doc, all of classic Doctor Who, like the encyclopedia of all the broadcast dates and actors' names and everything in his head. I know. He didn't stop to look anything up. It was just straight there without hesitation. So um, if you've got a spare um, hour, just search for Richard Herring, the Richard Herring podcast um, on iTunes or Spotify, whatever. And I'm trying to find the episode uh, number just to save you some time. But um, yeah, it's a really, really good podcast, mate. Really, really good. I gotta say, he's brilliant. I, I really like Toby. I've, I've been to see his stand up, and if you ever get a chance, uh, mate, I absolutely recommend it. He's, I don't know if he's doing specifically Dot Two ones in the minute, but he did a couple of shows, right? Um, and they were brilliant. Um, absolutely, Moff Saint Mice, Dot Two Scoff, and oh, I can't oh, remember the name of the bell. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't remember the name of the second show though. And the second one was quite new, and um, it was really, really good and really hard warming as well but yeah he's a he's a fountain of knowledge mr haydoak yeah for sure i like i like it when they get him involved in the dvd extras as well because he's sort of funny and also really knowledgeable so he's he always comes across really well i think in those yeah that is oh i found it so um it's not uh, a particular number it's a manchester special Mm. so normally uh, this richard herring guy he does his podcast out of a theater somewhere in london um, but on this particular one, he was up in Manchester. So it's in between episode 185 and 186. And it's just titled The Manchester Special, Toby Haydoke. But yeah, it's very, very highly recommended. Awesome. Yeah, I will give that a listen. Yeah. Uh, right, yo, we've got no news. It's a bit tumbleweedy still. It is. Not a lot going on. So uh, let's bring Grumpy Pants in and see what he's got. <laughs> yeah. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. The Damons. Great story. Very good story, isn't it? Mm. Pertwee. I wonder if they do anything at the BFI for a Pertwee thing, if John Coulshaw will turn up. Oh, that would be good. Because I didn't realise how bang on his Pertwee impression is. Yes, it is. It's... And what's more scary is when he flits between Tom Baker and, jo- and John Pertwee in the same sentence <laughs> or the same paragraph. It's, it's creepy how accurate it, it, both of them are because he's known for doing his Tom, I think, more than anyone. I was going to say, I always associate him with Tom, but when yeah. he was doing that unboxing of the new vinyl on the, I think it's on the Doctor YouTube channel, yeah, he, yeah. he keeps going into Pertwee, didn't he? And I said to you, he's, he's so good at Pertwee. He's bang on, isn't he? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So the Damons, the obviously the Pertwee story. Uh, there was something I think I think this was released a while ago on DVD. It was, wasn't it? I thought exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. So real time pictures. They made uh, like a fan made um, movie, which is an extension of the Damons, and it focuses around the character. Um, uh, is it Olive Hawthorne? Yeah. So Olive Hawthorne, yeah. who's a original character from the Pertwee story, the Damons. They uh, she stars in this like extended version of it if you like a fan-made thing set around the same story in the same location so devil's end this village um that the story set set in and it's called the white witch of devil's end and it's centered around her character and uh yes i'm pretty sure they released this on dvd last year i think or 
maybe the year I'll, before. Yeah, I guess so. I'm sure I, I remember this coming out on DVD before. Yeah, yeah. So now they've uh, they've put it out for pre-order to re- uh, they're going to release it on Blu-ray, and it's a special edition version, as you would expect on Blu-ray. And uh, just to give some blurb on this. Um, yeah, it's it's meant to be a direct sequel, if you like. So it's a it's a story set in the world of BBC TV's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And the White Witch of Devil's End. Uh, so uh, Damaris Heyman, she reprises her role as Olive Hawthorne and it tells the story of her life from childhood to her final days as the magical guardian of Devil's End, fighting every face of evil imaginable. Olive must defend the village, but what happens as she reaches the end of her life? Who will protect the townsfolk then? And it's got a few extra features on this one. So it's got a commentary um, uh that stars Damaris Heyman, the director, Keith Barnfather, and the writers, David David Howe and Sam Stone. Uh, it's got a behind-the-scenes thing called Weaving Magic. Uh, the writers tell their story in something called The Scriveners. Uh, it's got the theme tune, uh, which is a music video, apparently. And um, mm-hmm. uh, it's got something called The Hoovers Present, which is a panel discussion with the creative team, apparently, behind the story. Uh, so it's up for pre-order now. If you nip over to Amazon, it's £16.84. It's going to be out not till next year. Oh. So it's up for pre-order early. <laughs> so March 2020. <laughs> 2nd of March 2020 is when it comes out. Um, but there is a little cool uh, kind of twist to this one. and the, They've opened it up to the fans to decide what's going to be the final cover for the Blu-ray. So at the moment, they have four different versions. It's the same design, but four different colours, essentially. So there's green, yellow, blue, and purple. And you need to nip over to the Facebook page of the director, Keith Barnfather. Um, We'll put a link to this in the show notes. And he's put a couple of posts on there, and they've done it in two parts. So you can vote on the blue or the green, and then on the next post you can vote on the yellow or the purple. And I assume they'll do like a whittle it down to whichever wins those two. Which, so, which one do you like? Which, which one would you pick? Um, well, purple's one of my favourite colours, so I'm going to go with purple, but I also really purple like the yellow one. Purple cover, purple <laughs> cover. Um, I like the yellow um, as well. Uh, I can't see yellow. Which one's yellow? I was going to say orange. Is uh, that the, it's the second one, yellow? Yeah, it's the second from the left. No way. Guys, my colour blindness must be getting worse. That looks orange to me. Anyway, well, it's I kind like... of orange, I suppose. It's okay. kind of a deep yeah. yellow. Yeah. Humor me. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> okay. I like that one. Yeah. I, I want that one. That one. Are I was just sure? looking because I'm sure... you're colour blind and it's not... <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, I quite like the purple. <laughs> it's funny. I, I've, I am ashamed to say I'm sure I bought this DVD and I'm I'm pretty sure it's just upstairs gathering dust. I must <laughs> watch it. I'm sure I've got this because I just had a look on Amazon and um, it, it the DVD had a Return to Devil's End feature which is why I remember thinking, yes, I must get that because I wanted to see it where, you know, where they go back to... Um, Oldborn, where they filmed it. I thought, oh yeah, I'll get that just for the, you know, to watch it and also to, for that special feature. But um, that's not listed on this new Blu-ray, so you'd have thought they'd have put that on there, surely. Um... Unless these are just the new bits and it's got all them all, uh, as well, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it did It did come out on DVD uh, back in uh, 2017, November 2017. Oh, so yeah. So you can still go. get I... that on, on Amazon if you want it. Yeah. yeah. 7.99. Um, but yeah, the special feature, it was um, Return to Devil's End. Um, 
Yeah, but it's not listed on here, is it? You'd have thought the Blu-ray they'd put they'd have put more on there. As I said, it might be on there, but doesn't look like it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. I, you would well, one would assume. One would assume, yeah. But we can't. You know, you should never assume, should you? No, I mean it's a it's a year off coming out, so maybe they'll announce yeah. more nearer the time. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if you're a fan of um, the Damons, then this could be up your up your alley. Yes, I'm going to go and see if I've actually got it upstairs now, or whether I can't remember if I actually ever bought it because I definitely haven't seen it. Oh That's yeah, yeah. But the I've old... got a feeling it was one of those. Yeah, I'll get that. Yep. Watch that later. It's still up there. Yeah, need to go and have a look. The old hmm. shelf filler. I read. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right, uh, the other bit of merch that we've got is uh, some news from Big Finish actually, and it's the companion we've all been waiting for is returning, Katrina. Katrina. Yes. Who? You know who Katrina is? I don't. I had to ask Gary before we kicked off. I was like, so Big Finish announced they're bringing back um, Katrina, who was a companion in the first Doctor era for a very small time. I think she was only in two episodes, wasn't she? Two two different stories, yeah. Two different stories. Miss Makers and Dalek's Master Plan. I think she's in one of those episodes. Um, And obviously the actress who originally played her, um, sadly no longer with us, uh, Adrian Hill. So they've recast the part. Uh, going to be played by who? Um, <laughs> it's going to be played by uh, someone we don't know. No, we don't. I saw everyone was following her on Twitter this morning as well because I was thinking, why is everyone following this this woman? Um, anyway, I'll come back to you with a name. But yeah, they've recast it. Uh, it's going to be part of the first Doctor Companion, which is a new audio set of adventures. Uh, and basically it's going to be the first doctor and the second doctor meeting. Ah. So there's a little bit of, blood, which is quite, does sound quite interesting actually. So daughter of the gods is called by David K. Barnes. Uh, it says when Zoe reattaches an old piece of equipment to the TARDIS console, she, Jamie and the doctor are very lucky to avoid collision, but the place they find themselves in may be even more dangerous because there they encounter another doctor a space pilot called Stephen, a young woman called Katrina who shouldn't really be there. So it's quite cool, actually, because they've got a great cast for this. So there's Wendy Padbury, Peter Purvis, um, Fraser Hines, and obviously uh, this this lady they've recast, whose name I will find. Uh, her name is um, Ajaz Awad. That's the one. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool, actually. But, yeah, I must admit, when they first announced this, I, I was beginning to worry that I was a fake fan because I... I personally can't remember Katrina, but those stories are lost anyway, aren't they? They're, yeah, I think they don't um, exist. So I think I can be let off. Yeah, I think she's if you you know to actually see her on screen, Adrian Hill. This is back in '65. Uh, there's only one episode that survived from the from the cull. So yeah. um, she's in two stories, but you know she's only in one episode that's out there. So you're not you're not a fake, oh, but you're not a fake. Thank goodness, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I must admit, I haven't got any of these. Um, they've done a few of these early adventures, haven't they? So this is series six. Um, yeah, it's going to be yeah. the first one in series six, which uh, helps celebrate twenty years of Doctor Who. Hmm. Um, so it's weird, isn't it? Because I guess what they're doing is that you know it's a celebration of twenty years of Doctor Who on audio. Sorry, and um, you know they're, they're reaching for sort of quite obscure characters, which in a way is kind of cool because. It introduces you to a character that perhaps you wouldn't have known about from the classic era. Yeah. Uh, so I could look at it that way because I'd certainly not heard of this companion. No, so, no yeah. my, me, me, me either, mate. Mm. Um, so it's uh, listed in terms of the credits on here, it's listed as Fraser Hines 
playing, obviously, Jamie, but also the second Doctor as well. So is he yeah. doing an impression of Troughton or is he just reading his lines as, as himself? No, no, he does He does, um, he does. does do an impression of Troughton, yeah. So he'll probably... <laughs> Any good? Can you imagine him in the studio? Yes, he is good, actually, okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, he's good. I thought they might have got Chris Thompson, actually, because he's started doing a bit for Big Finish and he's very good as Troughton. But, uh, but yeah, Fraser on this one. He is good. Yeah, give it, if, it's worth a listen, actually, if you get a chance. He's, he does do Trouton quite well. Cool. He's got cool. his little mannerisms in his voice, which is good. Right, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so this story is Daughter of the Gods, and it's out in November this year as part of the early adventures Adam mentioned. Uh, $14.99 on CD, $10.99 on digital. Um, and I think, yeah, they're going to put a bundle together as well. So, um, yeah, £26. CD or 20 quid on download. So yeah, November quite could be quite cool if you're into your very early Hartnell slash Troughton years, lost stories and all that, all that stuff. Be quite an interesting yeah. mix, I think, because first doctor and second doctor are so different in yes. personality. Yep. Um, so that, yeah, it could work quite well, actually. Yes. So that's all we've got for, well, no news. That's all we've got for merch. Mm-hmm. Shall we joust into our... <laughs> Our review for this week. What we got, bud? Loots at the ready. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so this week it's a fifth Doctor story. It's a little two-parter, a little cheeky two-parter, and it's called The King's Demons. March the 4th, 1215. Something very wrong here. What if your guest was not the king? Not the king? Then who? An imposter. What for? Change the course of history. What possible satisfaction can that give him? He wants to rob the world of Magna Carta. Stand, demon. We are not demons and we've done no harm to the king. Take them! You cannot be allowed to alter the course of history, even indirectly. You are a sorcerer. No, no, and I ask you to trust me, please. You can trust us. Ooh. Ooh. The trailer. I'll come on to in a second after we've given our initial thoughts, but The King's Demons. Mm. Uh, it was it first went out back in 1983, in March, two-parter, as Adam said. It was written by Terence Dudley, uh, directed by Tony Virgo, and stars Davison, uh, Jeanette Fielding, Mark Strickson, and Gerald Flood as Chameleon, who's like a character that pops up in a couple of stories. Yeah. <laughs> and the storyline is, uh, so the Doctor uh, arrives... Uh, during a medieval jousting and uh, surprised to be greeted quite nicely uh, by King John, um, who labels them immediately as uh, his demons. Uh, but then uh, a dude turns up having just left King John in London and realised that this King John must be an imposter. Uh, and then the master makes his appearance um, and the doctor's pretty freaked out by this and... Uh, that's it, literally. Um, so, <laughs> the, king, <laughs> the, the king's demons, buddy. What do you feel on on this one? It's a it's a strange one. This isn't it. It's a strange little two parter. It feels strange like is it, a word. Yep. That yeah, you could use. Yep. It feels like it's unfinished to me. I I, I got because like you know how you've just <laughs> finished your synopsis. That's exactly how the program finishes. It kind of just ended, and I went. Is that it? 
Like the like the the doctor Nick's chameleon. The master's like, oh well, no, I haven't got chameleon anymore. I'll I better leave then. Forget this dastardly plan. I'll just get him a TARDIS and go. And and it ends. And I, I, I honestly I couldn't believe it. Um, and I mean I have seen this before. Obviously, it shouldn't be a surprise to me. But clearly, it's uh, not been off my shelf for some years because I I got to the end when the credits rolled and I was just like. My word, that's just, it's shocking, actually. I really don't know what I made of this. I really don't know what I made of it, because I sort of enjoyed watching it, but it's not very good, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's it's really not very good. Um, But there's an old-fashioned style to it, which I kind of warm to, if that makes sense. Like the the, the theatrics and the, 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 you know, the Camp King and I don't know, and the stuff like that. And then there's this terrible sword fight in the middle. And I thought, oh, the Doctor and the Master have a sword fight. And I thought, that's very Pertwee, Del, you know, Delgado and Pertwee. Like, mm-hmm. there were, I don't know, there were bits of it I liked. And then you've got Chameleon sat down because the thing can't move. And, but it's not very good. So I'm really sort of torn because it's, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's even a guilty pleasure. It's just sort of somewhere in the middle of, and it just, it, I don't know. It just has no real story to it either. Um, but Anthony Ain is good in it. I don't. I just don't know, mate. I honestly don't know what I make of this story at all. It really just um, yeah. is an oddity, really. Yeah. I don't think it's bad, but it's certainly not good. <laughs> so I don't know. It's in that you know when Adric and that get to, in Legopolis, they go into that void. They get taken out of everywhere oh, there's yeah. you know that effect you liked that's where i am with this story it's just in the middle of nowhere literally i don't just don't know what i think of it it's a <laughs> gray area yeah it's what do you one. think of it yeah so i remember watching this one a, well, a few years back now this is this was one of the um early box sets that i picked up for the davison oh, right. era yeah and uh i when i first watched it i was I was kind of into it because I was fairly fresh to classic Doctor Who. I think it's going back to like 2013, I think, something like that. It's been a while since I've watched it. I mean, that was the only time I've seen it as well, that very first viewing. Mm. And I remember when we when I put this on the schedule, because we were it came around to do a, a, fifth, a fifth Doctor story, and then I was looking through the list of the ones that we hadn't done, and I thought, the King's Demons. And my my initial thought was, well, what's that about? What happens in that one? Who's in that yeah. one? I literally had no recollection at all of the cast, the story, anything at all about it. So I thought, well, you know, for for beeps and giggles, I'll put that one down and we'll see we'll see how we go. <laughs> and then after I finished watching this yesterday, I still don't know. It's unfortunately for me, mate, it's one of those instantly forgettable stories. It's really Oh, and that's why I mentioned the trailer because that trailer is much better oh, than yeah. the story. <laughs> if you listen to that trailer and then watch this straight after, you'd think, what, you know. Yeah, you'd be disappointed. Parallel, yeah. yeah. Uh, so for me, mate, this one, I mean, it's got, unlike you, it, it kind of feels like it's, it really wants to be something, but it's just not anything. I, I I've no idea. No, what... there is, there's no story, is there? It's really strange because you've got yeah. you've got nice costumes. I think for the most part, the supporting cast hold this together. They're really good. One thing for me that really lets it down are our main cast. I have never seen Davison and Janet Fielding look so bored in an episode right, ever. Right, yeah. Even Peter really 
looks so bored during yeah, this entirety. Yeah. But he really does. There's a scene of him at the table where he kind of goes, sort of blows his lips. And I'm thinking, is that Peter or is that the doctor doing that? It, 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 they really, the supporting cast, I mean, I'll give um, Mark Strickson as due. He tries to put a bit into it when he's captured. But but the main cast in this, I think, really let it down. You know, when we've said before, they get a script and they probably think it's a bit below par. So they try and inject some energy into it. Yeah. They are really not bothering not with this all. one. And no. you know that I think they could have added something to it because it's not a total dead loss. This one, as I said, there are things to enjoy there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, yeah, but they just add nothing to it. in The main cast at all. Uh, and they really let it down because I know they haven't got a lot to work with. Um, the story really is so thin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the conclusion I think is unforgivable. It's, um, yeah, yeah. it's the weakest <laughs> conclusion I think I've seen in a long time. Um, but yeah, gosh, the supporting, I mean the, the main cast, sorry, they really let it down for me. Uh, supporting cast seem to be really trying. That's, that's the thing, you know, watching this again yesterday, I think, and we'll go through the cast in a minute, but I think most of them seem to be really into their roles. Like mm-hmm. they seem like they're really happy to be, Oh, we're in Doctor Who. Yes, it's exciting. Oh, we're we're on a in, in a real castle on a location, and this is all very good. And they seem to be really into it, especially Anthony Ainley. Actually, he seems to always love playing the master, and I think he's the best thing in this. <laughs> yeah, I love his laugh. It's- He's oh, he's ruined. But but yeah, and what, it's uh, <laughs> and what's and what's cool about it as well is that it's unexpected. So when the doctor's given him quite a witty follow up, <laughs> instead of him, it's it's almost like Anthony Ainley's master can't quite quick enough think of a quip to come back with, so he just defaults back to. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Um, that's. Yeah, that sword fight as well. Oh god, it's so yeah. staged. I mean, it is so. It, I mean, you've got to. I don't know. Direction? Are we blaming for this or what? I assume so. I mean, I. I mean, they're so real swords, done. aren't they? They're not. We're not talking about rubber swords here. So, they're real swords, and you can tell that they're being very, very careful. Very careful, and yeah. and apparently, according to the the production notes, Anthony Ainley still sustained a cut finger during that fight and had to have an antiseptic um so even being that careful there was still an injury um but yeah you compare that to like the the sword fight in the sea devils between the master and the doctor and i mean come on yeah yeah. Yeah. health and safety had gone out the window back then you know but at least it looked real but yeah i mean that bit as well and then i'd forgotten about the bit in the in the first episode where we have a like a song which seems to go on forever. Oh, you know, the, the king starts suddenly gets a lute out yeah, and starts yeah. singing this song, and the doctor looks really <laughs> miffed. And again, he just looks really like, no, oh, he rolls his eyes. But we endure a whole song in the middle of part one. And it's just, it is just the most random. Yeah. And it's imaginatively titled The King's Song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know, mate. It's got some, it's, I think, yeah, you can tell early on in our review that we're not taken with this one too much, but I'm kind of torn with this, you know, in same as me, in, yeah. what, in what I want with it. Because on one hand, I think, thank God, this is only two parts. Because if oh, this yeah. was a three or a yeah. four-parter, I, I'm borderline just letting it play while I do some ironing or make mm. a cup of tea or something. 
But the other side, on the flip side, I think, well, if it was three or four parts, maybe they would have had more time to flesh some things out because, like, I, I get it that the, the king was an imposter and it was the chameleon android that was, you know, had this sort of shape changing ability or whatever it was. Mm. And uh, I just wish that that was in it a lot more. I was hoping that they would do that reveal early on, like maybe as a cliffhanger to episode one. Mm. And then in episode two, you get to see more because the, the actual design and the the electronics behind that for back in, you know, when was this again? Back in the early 80s. Was, yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's quite static. It doesn't really do much, but the design is quite nice and, mm. you know, all that stuff. So, I don't and know. It's a, it's a fully functioning robot, or at least it should have been. It was like really early technology. Um, mm. he, he was supposed to be programmable and to speak his own words and things. I think when J&T was introduced to this thing, he absolutely loved it and thought he'd found like the future, you know, future companion. And maybe, is this, do you think, just an introduction for Chameleon? Because I think J&T had grand plans for this thing, but they never materialized because they couldn't get Chameleon prop to work properly. So I mm. think they kind of had to, you know, scale back all these grand plans for having him join the TARDIS team. But do you think, you know, in the early stages, JNT was like, yeah, we've got this new robot. It looks great. It, it actually speaks its own lines. It's going to be amazing on screen. Is this just an introduction for Chameleon, do you think? Is that why there's no real storyline? I mean, the master's plan is pretty weak compared to, isn't it? It's not his, <laughs> he just wants to stop the, um, uh, what's it called? The Magna Carta. Magna Carta, yeah. Magna Carta Libertatum. Uh, uh, he just wants to overthrow it. It's not exactly a grand, it's not like his n normal domination of the world type scheme. It just, so I just wonder if this is just an introduction story for Chameleon, really, because as soon as they get him, the story ends. Yay, we've nicked him, right? The master's given up. Let's go. Mm. You know, Tegan says what about the master? And the doctor's just like, yeah, he he won't bother carrying on now. How does he know that? How does he know the master won't go mad and like shrink everyone with his tissue compressor and all that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, I just can't, I can't get over the ending. I honestly can't. I, I, I just think it's an introduction for Chameleon. It, yeah, you could, you could absolutely view it that way. Mm. For sure. Um, but I, I agree with you about the look of Chameleon though. I mean, for the time, and I love the fact he's a real thing. Like, um, if you watch, there's, this DVD is very light on extras, by the way. Very, very light. I think, I, think, I think it's got like two mm -hmm. features on it. Um, and one of them is the guy who invented Chameleon. And what it is, is he was actually, this is nothing, you know, it wasn't designed for Doctor Who. He had created this robotic thing. Uh, it was very advanced for its time. He dropped a leaflet on JNT's desk, you know, basically saying, have a look at this. You might want to use it in Doctor Who brought the thing in apparently in the demonstration it was amazing everyone was like you know wowed by it apparently that's the only time it ever worked properly was when uh. they did the demonstration for jnt apparently he was like well this is going oh this is going to be amazing we must have it in doctor who and then yeah it never really worked after that properly you know which is why they kind of abandoned it and he i think he just ends up rattled around the TARDIS. Um, I think, in fact, I think even his scenes filmed in the TARDIS were cut um, for a lot were. of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when do we see him? So the next story yeah. is um, Five Doctors. I don't remember him being mentioned in that at all. No. Well, here's the thing. Uh, um, J&T must have been quite <laughs> upset with it because 
<laughs> Even though he kind of get in, he gets introduced as like this companion into the TARDIS crew, doesn't he? Because yeah, um, uh, the, the Doctor's like, you know, we'll bring him with us. It's all good. And Tegan doesn't trust it, and she's got the hump as usual. Oh, that's funny. You know, yeah, she but, doesn't trust it. Yeah, but then um, Turlo's like, oh, oh, he's all right. And so, and then Chameleons like for a robot seems quite happy. You know, and you think, okay, so we've got an extra companion on board now, The you know, the chameleon thing. But yeah, from the next story, so what was it The Five Doctors follows this, doesn't it? Yeah. So you just don't see it at all. And then he pops up in Planet of Fire, which is like, what, six stories later. Yeah. So they just literally, even though he's welcomed on board, and you naturally assume that at the beginning of The Five Doctors, you would see chameleon, you know, and all that stuff, he's just disappears like literally just you'd assume that he's having an oil bath like c-3po somewhere on the tardis <laughs> and he's falling asleep exactly i i do remember i don't know which dvd it is i do remember seeing this scene that was cut of uh, i think it's um i think it's tegan talking to him and chameleon's doing something in one of the roundels of the tardis or something gosh i'm again it's right it's a long time ago i saw it but and I, I remember, yeah, it's just they just you know the thing can't get its words out, and that it's a disaster. So they just cut it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, and then he doesn't get mentioned again till till Planet of Fire. But he's a shapeshifter. They could have um, anyone could have walked out of the TARDIS and be like, "Hey, up is Chameleon. Look, <laughs> yeah, yeah, here he yeah. is. Come as dressed as um, I don't know, <laughs> uh, a Cyberman. I don't know what could he be. Here he is, dressed as James Bond." I don't know, it could have been anything, yeah, anything couldn't it? Anything at all. Yeah. Anything at all. Yeah, it could have come out as, I don't know, anything. <laughs> but he doesn't. They they just don't use that at Adric. all. Adric. So. could have come out as Adric. He could have come back as Adric. That would have been a great way to have brought him back into the series, yeah. But they don't oh, go yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't think it through. Yeah, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that J&T was just thoroughly unimpressed with how it actually turned out on set versus the initial demo where they were wowed by it and... Well, I think Davison hated it. Um, I think he initially, yeah. I think he initially liked it, but then they, because it malfunctioned so badly during the recording of King's Demons, they had to schedule an another day's recording, which cost them money, and probably drove uh, Davison nuts having mm-hmm. to re-record over and over, you know, the same scene over and over again because the thing wouldn't work. So, um, you know, if they thought K nine was bad, this thing probably drove them up the, up the wall. Yeah. I should, I should, I can imagine because like, there's that shot, isn't there, of Davison looking at it? There's that famous sort of um, image that go, goes floating around of Davison just looking at the prop, really like, yeah. what is it? You know, you could just see, you know, what must have been going through his mind is just uh, up to interpretation. But I just love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame, really, because. Uh, the it would have been nice to have actually had a decent story arc around something like Chameleon as a character. Mm. You know, that could have provided some cool stuff that they could have weaved in and out of. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong, we're not ones for the huge Moffat-style arcs, but it could have provided a little bit of escape, you know, from the... Because let's face it, some of the Davison stories, you know, and this is a perfect example... They're not exactly setting the world on fire with sort mm-hmm. of in-depth stories or fast-paced editing and action or anything like that, you know. Yeah. So it could have really done with Chameleon popping up and having a proper because that, when I bought the box set years ago, I thought, "Oh, this sounds really good." Yeah. You know, the Chameleon. Um, uh, what what do they label it as? The Chameleon uh, Tales, Chameleon Tales. I thought, yeah, this sounds really good. 
Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, just a little box. It's only a two-disc thing. It's like this and Planet of Fire. Planet of Fire, yeah. And then you... Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's only at the. It's only in it towards the end of um, King's Demons, and oh, yeah. of, well, we haven't reviewed Planet of Fire, so I'll I'll bite my tongue. But well, another one I haven't watched for ages. But yeah. um, to be fair, um, Big Finish have just picked up the character, haven't they? They've just. Yes. I, I mean, I I would have loved to, and it's voiced by John Coleshaw as well. So somewhere along the line, I'd love to get those because I'd love to know what they've managed to do with the character. Do you know what I mean? And especially as it's voiced by John Colshaw, who I really like anyway. So I'd love to get them at some point. And if any of our listeners have, have got them, um, do, do just like comment on the Facebook page or something and let us know, A, if they're any good, and B, what they've managed to do with Chameleon, because I'd love to know. I think it's really good that they've picked up that character as well. Yes. Yeah. I think um, there wasn't one released really recently. Yeah, no, they've literally just, just come out. I think yeah. we're. I think there's, you know, it's a trilogy, chameleon trilogy, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think they've the second one come out this month, and then there's another one next month. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. so they're they're really new. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So that might be a, a, a once again, you know, it's just the money. I actually deal. was going to get them. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get those, mm-hmm. and then um, there was just so much other stuff coming out. I was like, I just can't afford them at the minute. But I, I, at some point, I'll get one. Get them. Yeah, big finish. Just providing a bit of oomph to the character that's needed. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you base it on just what we've seen in these two stories, it's you know it's very 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 thin, very very thin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so story, like we said, is not. It's really weak. It's very very weak. Essentially, the masters turned up in disguise as the king's son. Is it or is or no? Not his king. Not the king's son, but the king's sort of head swordsman or head knight or bodyguard or something he's associated with the king isn't he did you clock him straight away as well yeah you can tell by his voice can't you it's the voice and the eyes i think i mean it's one of his better disguises i'll be fair it's one of his better ones but there's something about him for the only he just stands out like so even as um even in time flight under all that rubber mask you could tell it was him it's something about his mannerisms uh, and in this one, you know, just the eyes and yeah, as soon as he got off the horse, like, oh, it's the master, <laughs> you know, but it's one of his better disguises, but yeah, still stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, the makeup's okay, but it's still a little bit. What what accent is he doing at the start? Is he trying to do French? Oh, I don't know. I just thought he These was trying. People should be, should be slayed, <laughs> Your Honour. I just like, what is he doing? I think it's supposed to be French. It's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this guy, uh, uh, Jeffrey De Lacy. So he probably is doing French then. Yes. Yeah, he's like the the masters. Um, oh, no, not not Sir Jeffrey. Sorry, Sir Giles. Is the master, isn't he? Um, that's it, Estram or whatever, yeah. Yeah, Estram, that's it. And uh, so the doctor turns up, realises that that's not the real king, realises that something's not quite right, and then really the only thing that happens is they get captured, get put in the dungeon. Uh, Turlow, that is. He gets put in the dungeon. The doctor and Tegan, this is it. I can't remember what they do. They just sort of wander around for a while. And have a chat with, um, what's his face, Ranulf, the, the guy yeah. who owns the castle. Yeah. Um, and then there's this whole. I think that the the premise is meant to be that 
because they've arrived in this alien looking ship that appeared out of nowhere, people view them as like these, you know, supernatural people sort of thing. Um, and yeah, like you said, the master's kind of got this plan, which is not, it doesn't sound like it's going to result in world domination. It just sounds like it's pretty low brow. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it just sounds like, um, this book or this draft or whatever that King John draws up called Magna Carta. If it doesn't go ahead, then, you know, peace between certain people within, you know, whatever it is, 12th century England just doesn't happen. So there's more fighting and wars and stuff, but I don't see how that really benefits the master. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a bit where he explains what it is he, he's actually doing. Cause the doctor says to him, like, you know, what do you hope to, what do you hope to achieve sort of thing? And he's like, yeah, I can't, this is so bad. I only watched it yesterday. And I can't remember what mm. he says. Um, and that's the story. That's it. He uncovers the master's plan. There's a bit of capture and evade. And then they just go. Yeah, they just leave. They literally just, <laughs> at the end of the story, they're like, right then. And then they're off. And then there's a, there's a strange bit where, I, again, maybe I missed something. Um, surprisingly, I wasn't, you, you might think I, I was, you know, wasn't watching this if, if I was bored, but <laughs> surprisingly, it, it sort of did hold my attention in a strange way because I wasn't on my phone at all <laughs> during this. Um, but there's a bit where the doctor, so they get in the TARDIS at the end and the doctor's like, right, come on then. If you want to get back to England, I'll take, he starts getting all, you know, annoyed with Tegan and like, and I'm like, did I miss something? I didn't hear him moan about, unless it's from, is that from the previous story? Because he just suddenly starts getting all huffy with Tegan, doesn't he? Come on then, right, if you're so determined to get back, let's, let's do it. And and she's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm I'm enjoying myself. And no, no, if you want to get back. Yeah. And I was thinking, hang on, did I, I don't think I, you know, missed something. And and then he keeps, goes on about the honor of Orion. And we're like, oh, right, so that's five doctors. So that's where we're going next. And, but yeah, I found that quite odd as well. But maybe there were—I uh, may have maybe no, my mate. attention drifted off for a minute. I don't know. No, just mate, seemed a really random. You didn't miss anything at all there. I think he was yeah. just calling her bluff basically because yeah, because she keeps going on so much about it. She's particularly miserable in this story, she isn't, is, she? isn't she? Yeah, and I, she's really got the yeah drop on. And I don't think that's just Tegan. I think Jeanette no, I Fielding don't. Just looks particularly bored and. That we, scene, yeah, when we that scene you mentioned one. earlier with the Doctor and Tegan just shut in that room in episode one. You know, when they're just, like you said, what are they doing? But they're just literally, the Doctor's like, yeah, so I'll, I'll, um, I'll probably go and sort that out in a minute. And, uh, you know, and it's like the two of them just look so bored. Yeah, the you know, and the Doctor's is... just walking around. So I'll, I'll sort that out later. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's very, very odd. Yeah. Uh, and I'm quite surprised, actually, because Eric Sayward's normally a decent chopper-upper of scripts, you know? Mm. If something doesn't quite feel like it's going to flow or it's lacking something, he's normally, as we've seen from a lot of his stories that he's overseen, normally can sort of hack a script to pieces and, you know, suggest what needs to be fixed. But this one, I don't know, the script's just... Terence Dudley, what else did he write? I'm going to, I'm going to. while we're going through people like writers and stuff, I'm going to say as well, Tony Virgo, direction really bland bland yeah, unbelievably yeah. bland you've got that lovely castle i think bodnian castle it was is that how you say it bodnian i always say it wrong um 
you know, and it's everything's just shot so oh, boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just looks. I mean, you can tell the weather was bad, which probably didn't help. It looks really damp and wet. <laughs> yep. The TARDIS prop looks unbelievably bad when it lands. It's rickety, battered yeah. to yeah. hell. <laughs> yeah, which is nothing new, I know, but um, but yeah, the, I've got to say, the direction was was bit flat in this it as was well flat. yeah so uh, terence dudley what else has he done well, um, terence dudley was acti- actually a director he directed megalos oh right for Jay, uh, and um uh, produced some of the blake seven stuff which i'm not sure you're aware really of. Um, but then after he did directing he kind of had a stint as a writer for a while he did four to doomsday oh yeah black orchid and this and then after that he went back to directing so we had a little bit of a stint as a sort of tried his hand as a writer but I thought I knew the name. Yeah, of yeah. course, Black Orchid. Which see, I like Black Orchid. That's and, not um, too bad, is it? It's, no, well, it's much better than this, isn't it? I've got a soft spot for it. That's yeah, a two-parter as well, isn't it? Four to Doomsday. I remember you you quite liked, didn't you? Um, and he also wrote the script of Canine Company. My word. So yeah, I thought it was a name that I knew. Uh, it's interesting to see the other stories he wrote. Um, yeah, they're not exactly ones that jump out as me as favourites but uh, but I do like Black Orchid so I think this is the worst of the three that he's done I, sure. I wish I'd had because I watched this quite late last night I wish I'd had time to watch it with the Davison commentary uh, if he's on it I don't even know if he's on it actually um, I'd like to listen to this with the the audio commentary because uh, I'm hoping Davison's on it because I know he's not a fan of uh, Terence Dudley's writing he, Davison particularly doesn't like mm-hmm. Black Orchid um, but I'd be really interested to hear his thoughts on this one. I might do it this afternoon, actually. Go back and have a listen. And, yeah, because um, Eric Sayward's on the commentary as well. Oh, is, oh Eric Sayward. Who, who else is on it? Is it Davison? Uh, yeah, Davison, um, Isla Blair, and Eric Sayward. Ah, right. I'm um, going to go listen to that this afternoon. I just didn't have time last night. Yeah, so Isla Blair, she played Isabella, the, the um, uh, I think it's Ranulph's wife. Mm. who inexplicably gets captured for no reason halfway yes, through the story. Yes, I know. Another moment where I thought, because this is the thing, I was I was watching it. I wasn't on my phone or anything. Have I missed something? Like, <laughs> you know, did my brain zone out for a minute there or something? Because I wasn't, as I said, on my phone or anything. But yeah, I, I, I didn't get that at all. No. It's, yeah. Suddenly she was thrown in the cell with Turlo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you wanted a commentary by the, by, um, the director, uh, he does a second commentary just for the first episode. So if you're wanting to find out why ah. it's so bland, maybe he can enlighten me. Unless he thinks it's amazing. That I don't know. But that, the other thing, the other reason I mentioned the direction as well is because there's a bit where, a really strange bit where the doctor hides the master's tissue compressor. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's so unclear what he's doing. He's sort of fiddling around the back of the master's TARDIS for ages. And I, I thought he was trying to get in. Do you know oh, what I mean? Right, yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's yeah. like just fumbling around. and then But then it turns out he's just... He's just leaving the tissue compressor there. But why would he even do that? Mm. Even Tegan says to him, like, why are you giving that back to the master for? That's right. Yeah. And does he give an answer? Because I can't remember if he does, but um, that again, it was again, the direction just, I did, I, I wondered what was going on for a start. Um, and the writing, I just was thinking, well, why would the doctor do that? It's just, it's just so that the master still got it, I suppose. But you know, surely he's got a spare one in the TARDIS anyway. Probably. Like, yeah. But it, it, again, it was a strange moment in the, in the story, I thought. Um, I do love the fact that Master's TARDIS is that casket, though. The Iron Maiden. Now, I did like that. And I mean, it's a shame that the Iron Maiden looks so 
uh, rubbish. Flimsy. It's <laughs> flimsy. It's so flimsy. The door doesn't it, shut properly. Or no, the door it. doesn't shut. <laughs> that was terrible. Because that's a good moment, you know, that the doctor's forced to choose between putting the master in it or mate his son. Yeah. And so obviously he has to choose the master. And there is that moment where the doctor thinks, you know, the master's finally been killed because he's been shutting it. <laughs> and, he, and he pulls the sort of face of, oh, God, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. But then, yeah, you can almost hear the master's cackle as the TARDIS takes off. And it's like, oh, he's foiled me again, sort of thing. Um, again, quite a nice moment, but just not really captured in terms of production or direction, I don't think. But I did like that moment. I was like, oh, that's cool. Master's TARDIS, like that. Yeah, no, it was good actually. It was um, yeah. the fact that Master tricks them into making him be put in there. I thought oh, that's a good little moment. Yeah, hmm. um, I think it was just. But then again, like the the fact that the door doesn't close on it properly and it's a bit flimsy. I think that's part of the charm, isn't it? From yeah, some yeah. Of the old. It just know, looks so. Oh, I can't get in, and the door's nearly falling open, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. If, uh, overall, though, yeah, direction very bland. The outside scenes weren't too bad, like when they're jousting and stuff. Well, I love, always love it when Doctor Who goes on location, especially mm. if it's a castle. There's something, I don't know, something about the classic series where they used to, especially in the Pertwee era, they often seem to be in castles or forts. Mm. or So, yeah, it has a nice feel to it, I think, yes. um, when they're on location. Yeah. Uh, let's rattle through some characters then. Yeah. Uh, what do we think to... What do we think to Michael Jackson, who played... Uh, Jeffrey Delancey. Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Michael J. Jackson. Who played? Oh, Michael J. Jackson. Yeah, uh, he played Jeffrey Delacey. Do you remember him? I know we struggle with character names and stuff, but he's the one who got shot on the horse, isn't he? Or is he? Uh, yeah. So he's yeah. the guy that I think. He, so Ranulph, who's the guy who owns the castle that the yeah. king's supposedly visiting. Uh, this other guy is his cousin. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the one. Yeah. He, he, he he wasn't too bad actually. There's a bit when you know after he's shot and he's lying on the table dying. Mm-hmm. That's that's him, isn't it? That's him. Yep. Yeah, it says in the thing that, that you can see him laughing, but I think because of the production subtitles, I couldn't see it. But it said if you look, he's really struggling not to laugh as he's supposed to be dead or something. But uh, no, I thought I, I thought he was fairly decent to be honest. Yeah. In fact, I think a lot of these I'm going to use that word. I, I generally thought that supporting cast were decent there are a couple of, that stand out and i'll say them as we go through them but yeah he wasn't too bad actually yeah um, he was all right yeah uh what about um i'm gonna put hugh in that bracket you know the son the son oh, uh, who yeah. fights um the master at the start uh, at the joust yeah what do yeah. you think to him yeah i'm gonna put him in the same bracket as decent because um he just yeah he, he wasn't he was you know what i mean not neither good or bad he just he was Decent. He decent. just, yeah, yeah. In terms of like, you didn't sit there and think he was slightly over the top, but you don't sit there and, and sort of, um, you know, cringe if you know what I mean. I thought he was fairly good. Yeah, those two. Yeah, yeah. their parts. Yeah. Uh, what about Isabella then, Isla Blair? Isla Blair. See, that's a name I know. I'm sure she's. Is she like a hammer? I know that name. I'm sure I've seen she her in other things. Be. And yeah. um. I kind of felt she was wasted, really, because I'm sure she's been in other stuff I've watched, and I believe she's a good actor, but uh, she really didn't get a lot to do in this. Like you said, she's thrown in that cell. Um, there's nothing wrong with her performance uh, for me, but I just yeah, just didn't think she really had as much to go with, really. Yeah, she's had small parts in lots of things. 
Yeah, I know she was in Blake 7. I do yeah. know that. Mr. Coldicott's um, Cabbage War. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she was in um, uh, yeah. Indiana uh, Jones. All right, Doctor um, Terror's House of Horrors and Taste of the Blood of Dracula. Those old ones. I thought, yeah, I thought she might have been somewhere along those lines. Yeah, but uh, no, I like, I liked her. I just, yeah, she's just unforgettable because of the writing, but nothing to do with her performance. Exactly. Yeah, she was very quiet and didn't have much to do. So yeah, not to, not much to work with. Yeah. No. Uh, what about Ranoff then? The guy who owns the castle. Now you see, I thought he was good. He's one of the he's one of the members of the cast that I thought was really trying to inject something into it. Yeah, wasn't he? Uh, uh, kind of Frank Windsor. Frank Windsor. Yeah, I, I felt kind of sorry for him. I, I thought, like you know, he's trying to give a bit of um, oomph to the performance, and uh, he just I don't know. Everyone around him just seems so flat. Um, so he stood out to me as as being, you know, particularly better than the rest, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was actually okay. Uh, the only thing that I found difficult was him and also King John, played by Gerald Flood. Yeah. I just found their very forced, grand British accents to be a bit overwhelming at times. Uh, okay, yeah. They were okay, but yeah, it's... um. Yeah. I must admit, I really liked um Gerald Flood as the king. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was over the top, I know, but... uh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just really liked his performance. And when he's singing the song, he really announces his work. Like, he, he, at least he was trying. Do you know what I mean? I, yes. I, at least he yeah. was giving a performance. He didn't, because a lot of the time it felt to me like this was a stage play that they were making up as they went along. Uh, it just really just felt that flat at mm-hmm. times. But at least he gave a bit of something to it. So I, I quite liked him as King John, to be honest. Yeah, no, he was he was okay actually. Yeah, it was he a bit of a so it was a bit just, hammy, a little bit in the performance, yeah. but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, um, uh, Frank Windsor ran off. He he's in another story from Doctor Who. Is he? Yeah, but I don't know what else he's he's in. Ah, okay. Uh, but apparently, so. Where are you seeing that? I'm trying to think what else he would have been in. Uh, let me have a look. Oh, Ghostlight, he played Inspector McKenzie. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it is. Now you see it's the police. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. He's, yeah, Inspector. That's, yeah. I thought, it's funny because I, I just thought he looked familiar, but I hadn't sort of placed him in another Doctor Who. But yes, yes. Yes. There we go. Is he there still alive or is he? He's still with us. Yeah, he's 91. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, 91, blimey. Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree with you. The, the, the King, King John, Joel Flood. Uh, pretty good actually just uh, it's just those two just their accents I completely understand why they were doing that it's very yeah. you know that's the thing you do I suppose when you get those roles but um, what about um, Chameleon then so the voice of Chame- oh Gerald Flood did the voice of Chameleon as well oh that's interesting very right. cool okay didn't realise that to yeah. be honest ah, so a lot more soft spoken yeah, I mean, kudos for giving to, because I didn't realise that was the same hmm. person doing it, actually. Um, so I guess it's because it's so robotic. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. There, it's weird because there's something very likeable, I think, about Chameleon. There is. I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if it's because he's so rubbish, He's you love him. I, I don't know if it's that sort of underdog thing. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think the voice really suits it. I'm quite surprised it was the same guy, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and then what about... Um... <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Ainley then Good well as actually yeah. yes actually I, li- I really liked him in this I think he kind of saved it for me 
to be honest with you, because he doesn't do anything spectacular. <laughs> like he doesn't, but he, in fact, if anything, it's the opposite. He's almost slightly toned down right. in this one. And I think that's why I liked it. Um, he just seems to be, he's got this sort of glee on his face the whole time of this sort of evil, uh, you know, he just seems to look, he looks like he's really enjoying it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when he's having fights with Davison and putting him in his place and doing the laugh. And <laughs> so I actually really liked him in this. As I said, nothing spectacular about his performance, but I don't know if, if anything, he slightly underplayed his master. Sometimes he can be very OTT. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I liked him in this myself. What did you think to him? Yeah, I think he was, he's kind of solid, isn't he? Anthony Ainley as the master, yeah. you know what you're going to get with him. It's very, very sinister and, um, but not OTC. And I think even more so, I agree with you, he is a little bit. Um, if you think of him in like Legopolis when he's quite manic, you know, like the bit where he's pressing the buttons and I'm going to rule the world. And he's, you know, in this he was slightly, as I said, well, his, his plan's so toned down. So maybe that's why, but <laughs> anyway, yeah. do you know what I mean? There's not quite, he's not quite as manic as sometimes he can be. Yeah. Although he does get sort of the last word, doesn't he, on Davison's doctor with the whole die doctor. Oh, yeah. Die. You, know, you in, must die. In the re- yeah. Regeneration. But yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think Anthony Ailey's, um, I think he's solid, though. I think you you know what you're going to get with him when you watch a story with him as the master. It's yeah, he's he's just really good, isn't he? I, I like him. Yeah. I mean, Delgado will always be my favourite. Delgado, but, uh, I, yeah, yeah, of course. But I grew up with Anthony Ainley as a master. He was the first master that I saw, so mm. I've always got a sort of bit of love really for his master. But yeah. I must admit, I was a little bit disappointed in his reveal. <laughs> Because they just used a special effect with some very 80s music. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, I wanted him to rip off the beard. It's me. You know, like, you know, just taking all the disguise off. But no, it's just an effect. And then he does the laugh, you know, so. Yeah. One thing that I was, I wanted more in that, that reveal Mm. was, you know, even if just the people in the room, like a bit of a gasp, like a bit of a you know? This is, comes back to what I say about Davison's <laughs> performance in this. Uh, for me, it's the flattest performance I've seen him do. <laughs> Even he's like, "Oh, it's you." He's, there's no, there's nothing. There's no there. surprise no. or anything. <laughs> I mean, it's again, is that down to the director or what? I don't know. It, well, I agree yeah. with you. We needed something. We needed a sort of <gasps> from the crowd or something from the doctor of because uh, I, I thought maybe Davison realised it was him all along and was playing along. To, 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 to foil uh-huh. his plan because you know he drifts in he's welcomed in very easily and you know it's all going very smoothly for the doctor and I was thinking yeah he's probably like you know he's, the doctor knows what's going on <laughs> but but then he's, he's sort of um, when the reveal does come he's like oh it's you <laughs> so he didn't know but yeah it's a real flat it is isn't it yeah because there's no like gasp or that's what I mean fainting. nobody or, like they've just seen a person transform in front of their eyes yeah, they're um, amazed about the tar disappearing, but they're not amazed that someone's, you know, literally shape shifted in front of their eyes. And also, when chameleon <laughs> turns shape shifts later on, they're like, oh, "The doctor told the truth!" Oh, you know, they're all amazed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's nothing when the master does it. Nothing literally flat, isn't it? Everyone's yeah, straight not, faced, and it's yeah. There's not even a dropped spoon. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> or it would have been great if the loop player had sort of hit a dumb note. <laughs> Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, but no, nothing. Nothing at all. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you reckon to our companions then, Turlo and, and Tegan? So 
I think we've already established, yeah. I mean, Tegan, Jeanette Fielding, she looks thoroughly bored, as Davison does through most of it. She's poor in this. I'm sorry. She's walking around the set of that jacket, yeah. uh, the coat, just as if she's cold. And yeah, it's, it's a. she really doesn't put anything into this story at all. Uh, not all her fault. I mean, a lot of it's got to be down to the writing because she gets absolutely nothing to do. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, she, her, she just looks bored. I mean, Mark Strickson does try. He I've, does, got to, I, he, yeah. I've got to give him you know, kudos for that because when he's locked in the cell, he is shouting about, he's trying to give a bit of um, performance because again, he really ain't got a lot to work with. But um, but yeah, Janet, I'm sorry, love you to bits, but you absolutely giving nothing <laughs> In this, really, she's she just looks. It's a bored day on set. You can tell. Absolutely, absolutely. She's just read that bored. script. She's yeah. said she's got nothing to do, and she thought, "I'll just turn up, get paid." And yeah, it's like, yeah. And I'm not sure if that was partly down to the direction, though. I'm not sure if um, Tony Virgo was like, "Look, you're not going to be very happy in this episode. You don't really <laughs> want to be here. So I need you to come across like, you know, just hurry the doctor up and do what you need to do and." we're on our way but maybe that combined with the fact that as you said Jeanette Fielding just literally looks like she could she just want to be anywhere else but filming Doctor Who that day or those couple of yeah. days um, it's a shame but I do agree with you though Mark Strickson he does try to give it a little bit of because there's a few scenes when he's chained up in the in the in the cell bit um, mm. Where he does lose his rag a couple of times, and he's really trying to get the point across that you know they're not demons, and the doctor's the good guy, and all that sort of stuff. And when he gets captured a bit later on, it's the same thing. He does have a little bit of an outburst, and he does try to put something into it, but yeah, yeah, not his best performance, but he's certainly given it a go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's trying to do something. Yeah. yeah, and then Davison as the doctor is pretty much a similar vibe to Jeanette Fielding. Really, he's just a bit yeah. He's a funny one, Davison, isn't he? Because you can tell that when he reads a script and there's a story that he actually likes and he's into it, he he does try and you know, he's he's quite an understated doctor anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, but you know some stories that you can tell that he likes that he's on board with, then he, he gives it some oomph. But these like this one, blimey, it's like. I, yeah. I mean, I really like Davison's Doctor. I really do. Uh, I know a lot of people find him beige. Don't they? They always Literally, say that because of his yeah. costume. Yeah, beige, the beige doctor. I've always liked him, maybe because I grew up with him. Um, but I've got to admit, th- this one, he really isn't giving much in terms of performance. I mean, you really can tell he's just not into the script. I mean, Black Orchid, he- he's on record as saying how much he you know, doesn't like that story. Mm-hmm. But he's still really good in it, you know, with all the... Um, What's the, the costume called? The Harlequin stuff, and oh, yeah. he still yeah. he still gives a bit of oomph to his performance. But this one is really talk about going through the motions. Absolutely yeah, paint by numbers. Him, him yeah. and Janet just look like they've turned up. You can almost imagine them before the cameras are rolling, just rolling their eyes and just like here we go. Then come on, it there's nothing. There really isn't, and th- and there are moments where he could have put stuff in. I know it's not the best script, but. You know, the the fight scene with the master, the reveal, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are moments when he could have given more in terms of performance. But yeah, he looks thoroughly bored. And because of that, it's uh, it makes the program more boring, I think. Yeah. And it's not very exciting as it is. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. it's, you know, you need you need him to add something to it. As we've said many times, like Matt Smith, when he gets a poor script, 
at least he, you can count on him normally to add something to it. And you kind of needed Davison to do this with this two-parter, and he doesn't. Yeah, he needs to carry it a bit, doesn't he? As the leading man, he yes. needs to sort of carry it a little bit and try and get some energy going and stuff. But, I mean, if you think of performances like The Visitation, Black Orchid and Earthshock, The Five Doctors, um, even something like Mordrin Undead mm. or Enlightenment or Caves of Androzani, he's so good in those stories whether he likes a script or he doesn't, but a couple of them that he really like, he, he's really, really good. And like you said, big fans of his doctor, but it's almost like he's, a, he's a bit of a grumpy child with some of the stories. It feels like where if he really doesn't like the script and he, he he's on record as saying these things as well, we're not making this up. Mm. You know, if he, if he doesn't like the script, you can just tell in his performance that he doesn't like it. He's mm. just not giving it the, that the hundred percent that Doctor Who maybe deserves, he's given it sort of eighty-five percent because he doesn't really like it. Whereas, and, and also, I think you you summed it up perfectly earlier, mate, when you just said he needs to be the leading man. He really isn't leading the story at all. He's just he's just there in the background, really. Yeah, he's not yeah. he's not the leading man in this story. Versus a Doctor like Matt Smith, who we've mentioned many times on this subject, mm-hmm. where even when Matt Smith didn't particularly like the script or the story was a bit weak. He's carrying some of those stories for sure. Yeah. He's still yeah. giving it 110 even mm. in a lot of it. So um, slightly disappointed really in Davison's performance because I, well, we both know and everyone knows that he, he can be a great doctor in some stories. Yeah. You know, but. And, and I think this story, the nature of the story, he could have added a bit of charm to it. I think it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not a great script. I'll absolutely go, you know, with yeah, that. Yeah. But there are moments where he could have added some, you know, a bit of charm to it. And I, and I just don't think he could be bothered. I think he's just looked at it and thought, oh, let's get this done. That's how it feels to me from his performance. Let's get this done then. There's yeah. no sort of trying to, to to make something of it, if you like. Yeah, and as, as it's only a two-parter as well, that's probably mm-hmm. even compounded it because they're like, well, this is only two parts. You know, we're only going to be on set for, what, two days, a day on location. Let's just get this done and, yeah. and move on. But... um. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so Davison, in terms of um, the not bringing anything extra to the script, because this is quite a quiet, laid-back story with not much going on, mm. and the script is a little bit bland, you would have thought that Davison would have actually had more fun with it to to do more stuff and bring a bit of charm, like you said, and some energy, and and just really had, you know, really pushed the director because I imagine it would have been very paint by numbers, like action, say the scenes, cut, next one. You know, nothing really going on. It would have been nice for the director to have said, like, Davison, you're a bit OTT on this, mate. You know, let's tone Mm -hmm. this down a bit. You know, just for him to do some extra stuff to bring, you know, a bit more of some energy to it. But And it's funny because, as I said, there are nice elements to this story. Like with Black Orchid, that's a nice little Mm two-parter. Not the best story by any means, but it has so many nice bits in it. Uh, in terms of performance, costume, locations and stuff. This could have been up there with it, I think, if they had done two things. One, if if Peter and one, if the main cast were better in it, mm-hmm. giving more. And two, if the ending had been better, because those are the two things that really laid down for me. I can kind of forgive 
the Dalek, uh, the Masters, you know, rubbish plan. I can kind of forgive that because it is just a two-parter. It's not hard to sit through. Costumes, production, locations, all good. It just needed them from from Peter really, and it needed a stronger ending. Yeah, you know, and that and that it still would never have been a classic. It never would have been up there as one of the greats. But I think it would have brought it up there you know, perhaps with sort of Black Orchid or Four to Doomsday, but it doesn't, it sinks below it because, yeah, yeah I mean, the ending in particular, for me, really lets it down. I, can't, I still can't quite get over it, actually. <laughs> yeah, and also, at the time, back in the early 80s, the BBC gave this as a, a bit of a push as well because this Did was they? the 600th Doctor Who episode. Wow, didn't know that. So this was episode two, in terms of chronological broadcast numbers yeah this was yeah. this was episode number 600 so a bit of a push on it a bit of extra marketing oomph and stuff and when Gosh. people finished watching they must have been like well if the next 600 are like this then and also know. it's followed by the five doctors an absolute milestone in yeah, you know in yeah. doctor's history and an absolute well one of my favorites i adore the five doctors mm. it could not be more polar um and you know again maybe that's the reason this suffers a little because it's just there just to bridge the gap it does feel filler doesn't it it really does it feel really filler does. Yeah. um unfortunately but yeah it's amazing to think you go from this to the five doctors um <laughs> if anything <laughs> that's the one they should have been pushing <laughs> i'm sure they were but you know yeah 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 mm. um and also um there was kind of little murmurs around this being linked to blackadder as well isn't there it so, does that, yeah. I can, well, it does have a bit of a vibe of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, this is the same set that they use for a lot of the Blackadder. Oh, is it stuff? And also the Iron Maiden style casket slash Master's Tardis. Yeah, that appears in Blackadder as well. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Which is cool. So at least they got some use out of the story. <laughs> I keep, I'm thinking now of, do you remember the end credits of Blackadder where the little, the guy with the loot follows him up the <laughs> up the track and then hits him on the head? I'm thinking of that now, but yeah. yeah okay. Well, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what, mate, in terms of viewing figures, not too bad though. Uh, just yeah. under 6 million for part one and then just over 7 million for part two. It went up. My so it went up for the. So they must have been captivated by the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end of part one, they must have thought, "Oh, the evil cackles arrived. Oh gosh, it's all going to kick off in part two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Wow, I don't know how they did it, but well. <laughs> well yeah. Uh, okay. So, anything else you want to mention before we we put a score on this? Uh, no, I think we've we've covered it really. Yeah, we yeah. picked it apart enough, haven't we? Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's you to go first, buddy. Yeah, it's me to go first. Um, I'm kind of stuck, actually. <laughs> I'm just kind of stuck between a five and a six because five seems a bit cruel. Six seems a bit... Shall I go in the middle? 5.5? I don't know. Yeah. Go with your heart, if, mate. What, what, is it, I, what are you saying? Uh, I'm going to go with a six. I don't like point fives. It probably doesn't deserve a six, but I'm going to go with a six. Uh, I kind of... I didn't... I found it watchable. It just it just needed a better ending. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with a five. A five. A yeah. five, okay. Just because I was thoroughly bored. <laughs> and I honestly think that um, Peter Davison and Jeanette Fielding could have made this a more enjoyable story to watch. Yeah. But they f- were thoroughly bored themselves. So as a result of that, I'm going to be bored. Um, I, I, so. I, I I can't give it a six. 
I, I, I agree with you. I can't. It's too high. I'll, I'll go 5.5. <laughs> it's just like five seems too low, six seems at 5.5. Final, final answer. Final answer to Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, yeah, roughly a five then from us. Yeah. Uh, what does our listeners think? Our regular reviewer. So our re- reviewer from Dan Under, Sammy, she's letting, she's sort of carrying the team. At the minute, there's no other audio clips coming in from you guys. Oh, What's going good for you, on? Sammy. Good for you, Sammy. Yeah, come on, guys. Get your audios in. So this is Sammy's thoughts on the King's Demons. Okay. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So the King's Demons, remarkably short. Seems a lot of setup for such a short story. King John gets duplicated by a robot called Chameleon, who is now on Big Finish. According to the will of the Master... I'm not sure if it's good, bad, meh, or what, really. I'll give it seven King's Demons out of ten, I guess. See ya. Okay. okay. I, I'm glad, actually, I'm glad, because Sam is like us then. I was thinking yesterday, I was kind of fighting with my own thoughts, thinking, oh, it's, is it good? Is it bad? It's <laughs> not. It's uh So I'm glad that you're the same, Sammy. Yeah, thank you very much, Sammy. Yeah. Uh, over on Twitter, Jordan Shortman says, I quite like this one. Uh, mm. It's not great, but not as bad as some people think. I love the fifth doctor anyway, and Tegan is my favorite companion, and Chameleon is quite a good character in concept, but fails in real life. But Anthony Ainley is fabulous as always. Yeah, I do think he's good in it. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, let's have a look. Uh, this is a question actually from Craig Wiley. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyone know why the Castrovalva continuity is on the season 18 Blu ray and not on the season 19 Blu ray? Just curious. Yes, it's because they it, it is on the season nineteen. Oh, hang on, Castrovalva. I'm not sure. I know that I know that there's a a special feature on the season nine, uh, like the announcement bit. That's right. If that's yeah. where they where the audio goes out of sync, so rather than replace the discs, they've just put the bit on the season eighteen again. Yeah. So that's that you've, right. so you've yeah. got. So I don't know if he's referring to that, but it could just be because they were. There was an error on the season 19 disc, if that's the thing you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Ian, ITM 1997 says, uh, and this isn't a review, um, but says, uh, because I'm an idiot, uh, it took me 25 minutes to forget the master on the front cover. And when oh. he popped up, <laughs> I was utterly shocked. Um, he was here uh, when I first watched it. Laughing emoji. I see it. So he did, the disguise did fool him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Doctor Who Geek says, uh, haven't watched in a while, but I remember, uh, I really enjoyed it. Ah. Okay, All righty. Um, Sarah Louise Bagger, The Running Whovian. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. She says, uh, a first time watch for me and I really enjoyed it. I found this to be Ooh. the perfect Doctor slash Master story with a great historical setting and references. Uh, the comedian concept worked well and it's always interesting to see what form the Master's TARDIS will take. An eight out of ten. Eight. Wowza, Sarah. Nice one. Glad you enjoyed it, though, Sarah. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. And um, Spencer says, uh, first time watching, enjoyed it, but felt it was a little rushed and could have been a longer story that was more fleshed out. Uh, legitimately surprised by the master reveal, and I think I enjoyed mm. part two even more because of him and his conspiring ways. Uh, it gives it seven snake lapels out of ten. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much, Spencer. And over on Facebook, uh, Callum Latimer Shepley says, uh, the first part starts quite slow. Honestly, bored up until about 15 minutes in. Uh, things do pick up a bit when the second part is 
and the second part is really enjoyable. Probably Ainley's best performance mm. and a great introduction to Comedian, a six out of ten. Cool. Uh, Charlie Turner says, definitely my favourite two-parter of the classic series. It's a nice little what? historical. Uh, it's just too bad that the story that continues the events of this ever so slightly planet of fire is a bit naff anyway. The mm. King's Demons gets a strong, good old-fashioned nine out of ten. My word, Charlie. Charlie loving it. He's loving it. And lastly, Kevin Mullin says, uh, once again, a very weak beige Davison story. <laughs> uh, the entire cast look thoroughly bored. And the master's plan is so small scale, it's hard to imagine it's the same man who only a year earlier almost destroyed the universe. Yeah. Chameleon is an utter waste of time. And just why does the master go to the bother of disguising himself? Well, there is that. Yes. Uh, And (laughs) Kevin gives it four jousting nights out of ten. Four. Okay. Raises a good question there. Seeing as the reaction to his change was... Zero anyway. Yeah. The point of him. <laughs> Mind you, though, you know. it. Uh, he must have been so disappointed. Like, it's me. Yeah. Nothing. I honestly think that sometimes the early stuff uh, featuring the master, I think they do try and make him a bit sort of Bond villainy, yeah. in my opinion, with the whole mm. makeup and disguise and stuff. But anyways, I think maybe they think, should we actually put him in disguise? Does it benefit, you know, does the story benefit? Like, nah, let's do it. Anyway, it's fun, isn't it? it? Let's put something It always cracks me up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like when he's, yeah, in time flight, like why is he dressed <laughs> as that thing? There's <laughs> just no need, but it's, I'm glad, I'm glad I, yeah, I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> oh, crikey. <laughs> 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 mm. oh, there we go. So I think this is a mixed bag, you know. I was expecting it this is. one to be very flat. I was expecting all the scores to be fours and fives, but we've, mm. you know, we got a nine from Charlie, we got an eight yeah. from Sarah. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, it's good, I, and I'm glad. I like it when it's a bit more mixed, you know. Um, I, I must admit, I, I expected to be thoroughly bored, uh, and I wasn't, despite all its I faults was. and flaws. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you were. Yeah, I, but that's how I thought I'd be. I was like, when I was, that's why I watched it quite late. I kind of put off right to the end of last night watching it because I thought, oh yeah, I've got to watch King Demons later. Oh, I'll just watch a bit more season eighteen first, and then got to about ten o'clock. I thought, right, two parter, let's get this done, and I and I bunged it on, and I expected to be on my phone quite a lot. Actually, I thought I'll just refresh my memory, and I, I did, you know. I did. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I did find myself watching it rather than getting bored. But yeah, still not great. I, I know you were thoroughly bored, but it wasn't as bad as I, I was expecting, I will admit. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> uh, next week, we are back to Torchwood. Torchwood next week, yeah. Yeah, what have we got next <laughs> week, bud? I always hear the theme in my head as soon as we say it. So next week's episode is called They Keep Killing Susie. Keep Killing Susie. Don't remember that one. Keep killing Susie. Wonder what that's about. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Yes. Um, Can't remember the last time I saw this one. Well, I was trying to think as well. Mm. Yeah, because I was trying to think of the next time trailer. We would have seen it at the end of whatever the last one was, but can't remember remember the trailer even. I'm actually googling it to see if see if I the pictures bring anything back. Um, Oh. Yeah, gauntlet. Oh, is it when they bring that woman back to life? It was in episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, 
Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Right, right, right. So next week then, Torchwood, they keep killing Susie. Get the uh, your DVDs or Blu-ray out for that one because we'll be asking for your thoughts. And uh, you guys need to step up with the audio clips. Yeah, come on. Yeah, save our vocal cords. I save them, yeah. So all you need to do is get your phone out or any other, if you're a podcaster yourself and you have a microphone and all that jazz uh, or a computer, whatever it might be, uh, just record an audio clip, an audio review for us. Uh, It can be up to a minute long. Just give us your thoughts and we play them all out to give Sammy a break. (laughs) Indeed. So I think we're going to wrap there, bud, for 224. All righty. Thank you, thank you so much, guys, for listening to episode 224 and sticking with us. It's great to have you all on board listening to the show. New listeners waving, old grizzled ancients waving as well. Lovely to have you. Um, next week, Torchwood, they keep killing Susie. We'll be reviewing that one, so we'll be asking for your thoughts. Social post goes out every Monday, so look out for that. Uh, in the meantime, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on there. Plus, you can link off to all the various podcast networks so you can give us a subscribe so you don't miss a show when they land on a Friday morning. Uh, there's also a big button there to go after iTunes. That's our sort of main network, I suppose. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be amazing because that helps us lots. Uh, There's also buttons there to link off to the various social networks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, If you don't follow us on there, give us a like. We chat Doctor Who during the week. So join the community over there. Also, check out my co-host's YouTube channel, Mm, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, The Geek's Handbag. Got some new vids up now. Yes, you still have time to enter Adam's uh, competition to win the Doctor Who crystal um, thing, ornament. Yeah, Crystal Tardis. Very, very nice. So Mm. there's still time to go and enter that one. That's right. Loads of other cool videos on Adam's channel as well. Go and give him a subscribe. You won't be disappointed. Lots of cool stuff there. And you're also on the social networks under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. I am indeed, yes. Yes. So until next time for 225, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... uh, Hey.